And I think the best part too, for me is like, um, I'm probably going to cry. Um, like seeing where you guys are now and being like, I had a part in that. I had a part in their life or, uh, you know, and just watching you guys blossom into who you are makes me feel like I did something right. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Kel's Big Little World. For our new listeners over on this channel, I'm Kel, and I interview guests from all around the world to explore their beliefs, careers, and day-to-day life, all to reveal that we're united in something greater, a shared journey through this big little world we call home. Today, we'll be talking to a woman who's from my childhood who taught me self-love and discipline through caring for my health. She once said, the best views come from the hardest climbs. Through all the struggles that she's overcome and the uphill battles she has faced, she makes it her mission to do everything with love and enjoy the view from the top. With that being said, let's welcome our upcoming guest and my former PE teacher, Christy Caracato Harrington. Christy Harrington is currently a physical education teacher in the Wall Lake School District, located in Oakland County, Michigan. Although she's lived in Michigan for the majority of her life, she is originally born and raised in Buena Vista, Colorado. She's a long way from home. Ms. Harrington is an avid adventurer who casually joins triathlons for some weekend fun and enjoys hiking, mountain climbing, boating, and most of all, teaching. Ms. Harrington is a wife, a cancer survivor, a lifelong educator, and a role model. So first off, I just want to thank you for joining me here today. Wow, that was great. I loved it. (laughs) (laughs) Through all school, I knew I wanted to be a teacher. And when I was a senior, I talked to my guidance counselor and, you know, I grew up in a very small town, 2000 people. There was only 90, um, 95, let's see, 93 in my graduating class. And she told me, you don't want to be, I said, I want to be a PE teacher. And she said, you can't, you don't want to be a PE teacher. There's only one teacher in every school, go, go for elementary and you'll definitely get a job. So I just mind shifted and started as a junior and senior in high school. I started volunteering at the elementary level. I like a work study for 90 minutes um, and helping out in the different grades. And then I knew for sure that's what I wanted to do. So I, the best school in Colorado for education for teachers is University of Northern Colorado in Greeley. So I went four years there. My husband or my first husband, he was at Colorado State, which is a 45 minute drive. So we kind of still kept interacting and I just really stayed involved in my college. I, I loved college. I probably would still be in college if I chose college because college was, I always thought high school was great. And then I got to the college stage. I'm like, oh, this is awesome. There's so many opportunities, so many things to do, so many ways to get involved, so many ways to change the world, you know? And I just love being surrounded in that mentality of, where you're at, where you are right now, where people are like, I can do that. Yeah, I'm going to go do this. And I just love being surrounded with people like that. So I finished my four years there. I got a job in Denver um, and taught for uh, two years before my husband and I got married because he finished in five years. So my first year, he was in Colorado still. And then, um, so I did two years of third grade and then moved to Michigan. So what made you specifically go into uh, physical education? That's a funny story. So I had been teaching for, I think I started get working on my master's because like, like I told you, I love college. <laughs> so I started working on my master's and I wanted to be a curriculum director. 
And I thought for sure, I'm going to be a curriculum director. I love building curriculum. I love it, love it, love it. And I finished that degree and the curriculum director in South Redford was like, you, you should shadow me. I think, you know, I'm retiring in a couple of years. You would be a good shoe in. You're so motivated. And I followed her around in this meeting and all they talked about was meat testing and how are we going to get kids ready for the test? And it was literally a hundred percent completely against my values for what I think good teaching is. And I went home crying. Like I wasted my master's degree. I do not want to be a curriculum director. And my husband's like, you always wanted to be a PE teacher. I said, Oh my gosh. Yeah. And so crazy that this actual conversation happened because not even a year later, a year and a half later, the opening came up at Vandenberg and it came up and I heard about it at like 9.30 at night. And I called Cindy Malik, the principal at the time at like 11 o'clock at night, like totally unprofessional. And I'm like, I, I promise you, if you give me this job, I will go back to school. I will get the degree I need. Please, please, please give me this job. It is everything I want to do. And she was like, shoe in because you know I I developed my relation my my um standard as a teacher so she people knew who I was I was doing things for the district so I had developed my good reputation so she was ready to take me Galdas who was my principal time the old superintendent was not ready to let me go from the classroom so it was kind of a little argument and a little fight with the the superintendent at the time pulled me in the office and is like, why do you want to move? You are a good classroom teacher. Is something bothering you at Vandenberg or at Fisher? Do you sure? Like maybe you just need to move schools. Maybe it's not that you want to be phys ed. And even a lot of people discouraged me. My older sister was like, what a waste, Christy. And I mean, it really hurt my feelings because she was like, you're a great teacher. Like you are changing the world. And she I wouldn't say she devalued phys ed, but she had the old mentality that it isn't what I feel it is today. It was, they thought I was just going to roll balls out and let kids play games. And that was going to be it. I mean, you know, from being in my class, that's not what I do, but I think a lot of people look at physical education as kind of like, Oh, you do it right before you retire because you're tired and um, it's an easier job. In ways it is, but in a lot of ways, it's a lot harder of a job, physically, definitely harder of a job. So anyways, after begging that and then going and having this meeting with the superintendent that scared me at the time, she scared the living piss out of me. Like I just was intimidated by her. So I had to go sit in this meeting and I was like severely anxious to like have a conversation with her because she just scared me. And she was just like, you know, really like, are you sure there's anything that's bothering you? And I'm like, I'm sure this is. I love my principal. I love my school. I actually would love to stay in the classroom for a couple more years before switching to phys ed, but I think this is my opportunity and I need to jump on it. I wasn't ready, Kelly. I was not thinking I was going to be good at it. I had no clue what I was doing. Um, and I was nervous. I was really nervous, but at the same time, I was like, you got to leap, you got to jump. And what makes and education so worth it for you? Uh, that's a good question. I think because I'm a relationship person and I, I feel like with anybody, if you want to get anywhere in life in any business, it's developing relationships. And 
really getting to the heart of a person and knowing what makes them tick. And that way you can work together to accomplish goals together. It's never me like saying, this is what you have to do. I mean, yes, I have standards and I had to say, this is what you want to do. But I also like to talk to the kid and know what they're into and what they wanted to do so that I could somehow incorporate that into what I was teaching and what we were talking about. But I think also in phys ed, it's a little bit different than the classroom is I had time to have like conversations. I could run the morning show and be with the best kids in the school. You know, I could run leadership team. I could do the thing, be with kids that I thought really were going to change the world. And I think the best part too, for me is like, um, I'm probably going to cry. Um, like seeing where you guys are now and being like, I had a part in that. I had a part in their life or, uh, you know, and just watching you guys blossom into who you are makes me feel like I did something right. <laughs> so do you have any students that remind you of your younger self? Uh, I think you find something in yourself from everybody. I think, you know, I can relate a lot with like people losing their, I lost my mom when I was three years old and grew up with a step family. So just even this year, I have a family that's breaking up and um, a third grader and a fifth grader that were, has having a very hard time with it, you know? And understanding like blended families and how that works and knowing what they needed. They didn't need it for me. They needed it from another kid. So another kid that just went through it last year, I pulled them together and it's like, hey, I'm sorry to get you involved, but I know you know this better than I do. Um, this And I, I think, again, it's like that fact of seeing if a kid or a person does something, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're they're hating you. I think a lot of times people take things so personally, like somebody might scream at you and then you think it's your fault, but there's something going on. So it's finding out what's going on and how you can then assist in that situation. So I think if anything, um, seeing kids go through things and then realizing that everybody is going through something and just be kind and be the best person you can be. And that is probably what I find in my students because we never know what's going on until we ask the questions and then we can help understand. And then it helps obviously bring back a lot of things that I've gone through so that I can help them navigate through those really troubled waters. What's one of the most I would guess, say, fulfilling parts of your job? Seeing a kid make, set a goal and accomplish it. Um, you know, I had a girl at the beginning of like three years ago, she could only do two sit-ups and she was bawling. And of course I felt terrible because I had to test her, but she did too. And she was humiliated. And that was never my point. And I'm like, I don't care. It's where you go and where you're going to go from. I mean, like now you have a lot of growth to make. And I'm going to get you there. I'm going to tell you what you need to do to get there. And at the end of the year, that girl did 28 sit-ups. Mm -hmm. And it was from like, it's watching growth like that. And I think in academics, a lot of times, like, I, I think what I is, is kids that do well in school, like things come naturally, but maybe sports don't come naturally. So I get to see them like struggle with the sport and be like, I, I'm always good at everything. And they're not, and it just is building that confidence and being like, okay, this is what so-and-so sits like in the classroom when you get things, right? But it's also, I relate with kids that the classroom teachers don't relate with because sometimes that is their strength, as Fitz said. That is where they can shine and th that will help them 
then build the longevity for and that that persistence to get through things that are hard. How have you grown as an educator? I think with every year you you grow and you learn. I think in the beginning, you want to think you know a lot. Well, I think in the beginning, you absolutely know you don't know a lot, but you're trying to pretend that you know a lot because you don't want to look to parents and to other staff members like you don't know what you're doing, but you don't know what you're doing. So you go from that stage in any job, I think, from not feeling like accomplished at all to getting a little bit of confidence and feeling like I still could be doing more, but I don't know how to, okay, let's work harder, not smart. Let's work smarter, not harder and figuring out little ways to make it better. But I think every year it's it, the way that I improve is, is is spending time. Like Twitter has been probably a lifesaver for me as a phys ed teacher because people post things all the time and I get really wonderful ideas from other educators because I'm the only educator in my building. So it's not like I really have a team or somebody. So I spend my free time on the couch when my husband's watching movies looking at Twitter and going, oh, that's a good idea. I'll set that in the file for later, you know, because to me, that is just constantly realizing and improving and always looking for the next best thing and not saying this is the way it's got to be. You know, I think just having that attitude of being able to like, you are not the smartest person in the room and I don't ever pretend to be the smartest person in the room. And in fact, I feel my kids are 50,000 times better at problem solving than I am and why not use them to make me become a better teacher and I think that's the other thing is always constantly asking for feedback what do you want to see what do you want me to do um and just I still have the drive and the love for it and when I don't have the drive and the love for it and when I'm everybody looks forward to their summers but when I'm at like I do not want to go back I will get out of the job so as as an educator for at least me, you've been one of the biggest role models as far as I teach you something and I do it. You have been one of the most healthiest, active people. Why is your health so important to you? Oh, well, you know, I wish I had my picture to show you because when I was a sophomore in college, I definitely, my freshman year of college, I ate like a cow. I thought meeting at 1 1 p.m. at 1 a.m. with all the other college students ordering pizza was the way to live. Um, my I grew up in a meat and potatoes kind of family and lifestyle. My my family, I think, overall struggles with obesity. My family history. So um, my sophomore year of college, I just got like started running. Um, I think my boyfriend at the time, my husband, my first husband pissed me off and I went for a run and that kind of started it. So it started with the fitness part. I always loved sports. My parents put me in sports all through life, but um, I kind of lost that when I went to college. I didn't really, I thought I have to study. I have to do this. I have to become part of, I need to be a part of this club and this club. And I need to go to this party and I need to do all these things that I had like taken the focus off my health. Um, and I didn't really realize the impact. And honestly, having that like all you can eat buffet for every meal um, in the dining halls was a really bad situation for me because I just love to eat. I really do. So I had to teach myself 
what I felt like I try to teach my kids now early on when they're going on, because I was never taught those things. I never knew what I needed to do to maintain my, my weight. I just realized how much healthier my life is and how much happier of a person I am with that. There is so many people that are on medications for, uh, for, um, depression and anxiety. And there's so much research that supports that physical activity really does um, decrease all of those things. I feel like I am, I have been able to deal with stress in my life um, through the death of a parent, through death of grandparents, through um, of divorce, through buying homes, through family struggles with addiction, um, with my own breast cancer, with my second skin cancer diagnosis, I have been able like fitness and that has helped me to ground myself and keep me balanced. And I know that food is chemicals. And when I am putting the right chemicals in my body, I can function and I don't need anything else in life to keep me you know, no drugs or alcohol to help me maintain a happiness or escape my life. I don't need to escape my life. It's literally creating by, by doing these adventures and doing things that scare you. Um, you know, I learned how to, how to, how to waterboard, uh, wakeboard, like maybe seven years ago, I'm going to tell you, I'm still scared of snowboarding and my nieces are giving me such a hard time. They're like, I'm afraid I'm going to break a wrist and then I won't be able to run or do something else. But they keep telling me, oh, that's not what you tell your students. You don't, you tell them they can't be scared of anything. I literally heard it for over a year. So my sister and I promised that this winter we're going to do it. So I think it's the fact that fitness is so important to me because it keeps me balanced as a human. It helps me get through really tough situations in my life. And I, you can visually see um, like people's lives changing because of it. When taking your fitness to a different level, when you're joining, you know, marathons and going mountain climbing and all those things, what is your mindset going into that? Well, you know, it's funny because I think that changes throughout time too, right? In the beginning, it was, it's when I started marathoning and running, I was like, I just want to do as many races as I can. I had no goal of being first place or doing well. Then I started getting pretty good to where I was competing. And then I went through breast cancer. And now that fitness level has changed. I am way slower, way I cannot, my joints hurt a lot more because I'm on um, a chemo med um, to, to for the next three years. And it affects my joints. And actually they're at my, my oncologist is actually studying my body with me on this because he's like, I've never seen an app like somebody that works out as much as you do. So I really do want to study the effects it's having on your body. And I'm trying things like less sugars and stuff to build, to, to decrease in inflammation. So I think now I look at it as just getting out there and doing it for myself. Um, you know, when my mom died, I was right in the middle of doing a 50 miler. I was right in my, I think after my mom died, I think two weeks later or a week later, I was supposed to be running my 50 miler. It had to be postponed three weeks, but, um, 
for me to get through it. But I, but like, it depends on the event. So the 50 miler was, I'm going to finish and I'm going to finish and I'm going to be thinking about my mom for 50 miles. And that's exactly what I did. Um, now I'm running a marathon in two weeks and my goal is, I, I just, it's I've been on my bucket list to do this trail marathon that's up in um, Manistee. And I was like, I've got to do it. I, it's something that I wanted to do. Am I going to compete? No. Will I be in the top? No. And I understand that. And I'm aware of that one. It's an age thing. You know, as you age, it just is, it's harder to compete, but two, I have to know that through breast cancer and through radiation, they told me it's going to affect me and it, and it has, and I, I, it was depressing at first, but I think through every stage of getting in there, go, your mindset has to be focused on what you can, what you can do. When you go into a mindset of, I am just going to do the best I can. And I know this is going to be uncomfortable and I know I'm going to have to fight through it. And I know I'm going to get tired and I know I'm going to want to quit. And I know I'm going to get blisters. And I know, you know, those things, but in your, in your brain, you're, you're saying something different. You're like, I got this. This is a great day. I'm smi smile because it's going to make your body feel better. But I think good training and good prep, having a schedule, um, I think really helps me because I had a coach for a almost every event that I've done, except for this one, this one, I didn't want to get a coach. I wanted just to do it on my own, but I think having a schedule that like, you have to do this, it helps you to build that resilience and, and like ramp up accordingly so that you can do anything you choose that you want to do. You've already accomplished a lot within your short time here on life or short time here on earth. From college to now, what are some of the things that you look back on that you would redo? Have you read The Midnight Library? It sounds familiar, but I don't think I have. It's all about exactly that question. Like this girl goes, she's actually about, she's suicidal and she can go back into any stage of her life and change it and look to change it to see, oh, what if she would have stuck with the swimming like career, what would have happened? And she can like, it almost like she opens up the chapter and she lives out like what that, what her life would have looked like, like that. Or if I would open up the chapter and change this part, like I would never would have moved to Michigan. Right. But at the end, and I shouldn't tell you this because if you haven't read the book, you definitely need to read the book. But at the end of the book, she realizes that all of those things that I've been through have shaped who I've become. So as hard as it is to say that I wouldn't redo anything, I mean, sure. I mean, I make mistakes all of the time. Um, I just dropped my phone in the lake uh, yesterday, um, costing me $1,500. I would take that back in a million years. I, But I, it's part of who I am that I'm rushing all the time and doing so much that I'm not conscientious about things that I need to be more conscientious about. Um, but I know that's kind of who I am too. So um, as much as I beat myself up about that. And I think about that, I think if anything, if I were like to go back, I would try to tell myself like, like it's okay to be you. And I guess, I think this is the one thing I would say, sorry, I'm going to change my mind. The thing I would say would change is sometimes I would get angry at a family member. I got really mad at my dad and I didn't, wasn't talking to him. Um, and he ended up having, um, a craniotomy and almost dying. And I sat through by his hospital bed for three months and took care of him and won everything. But you realize at that point, 
And then I got in a fight with my brother a couple years later and didn't talk to him. He gets in a bad motorcycle crash and almost dies. I hate that I'm that stubborn sometimes that my anger and like my avoidance to dealing with issues could have really turned out poorly because I was holding on to something. So I think if anything, I wish if I, that I could take something back is to realize that again, like we talked about earlier, knowing that if something's going on with somebody else, it's not necessarily you. And it's not necessarily me avoiding the problem or not talking to them is not going to make the situation any better. It's dealing with it so that I never have to live with regret. If, I mean, if something would have happened to my dad or my brother, I would never have forgiven myself. So I think that is the thing I would change. So you've been able to travel around you know, the country doing adventurous things and things like that. And you have just lived life to the fullest, I would say. What is one of the moments where you realized that this big world was smaller than you originally thought? I think I realized that every time I step out of the country, every time I step out of the country and see how other people are living, um, I think one one point that I, I mean, even in, in Dearborn, when I first moved to Dearborn, they have, it's such, has such a high Lebanese and Arabic population. And um, I, we were sitting at Love a Good Park off of um, Telegraph Road, you know, and we were hanging out there and there was always these huge family barbecues. And I was like, how come whites do not do this? Like, they're getting together. And, and I know like Sunday dinners, it does not happen in white families. I do not know why I do not understand it. But I mean, my husband at the time, my first husband, we're like, if we move back, we would move back if we had Sunday dinners or if we are having these huge barbecues where everybody comes together every Sunday. And I'm talking, it's every Sunday. And I'm like, how do you do this? Like, how do you get everybody to come back? So I think when I see that, like, wow, there's so many ways that other people live that I am so uh, envious of. And, how, and so then I, in fact, talked to my sister into moving into moving to Michigan. She lives a mile that way from me. I make our family dinners once a week. We still don't do the Sunday dinner thing. I still want to do Sunday dinners. But it's that, like, I think when you just start watching, like, you just open your eyes and you can see how big the world is, even if you're not traveling. I mean, sure, as I've traveled, I've been like, kind of like, like sometimes some things that you're like, we probably shouldn't have traveled here without knowing the language, you know, learning a lot of experiences, almost dying a couple times, um, doing things that were just stupid. But um, I think really just opening my eyes and just watching my friends and other people, the way they live and going, man, and not, and not being judgmental of it, but being envious of it and how do I do that for myself to make because look at them they're they're happy they're together every Sunday I want to be together every Sunday so that's what Miss Harrington has seen life from various perspectives from Colorado to Michigan from the highest of mountains from the lowest of her health journey she has focused on loving people through her teaching and loving herself through her health care she hopes to inspire all the younger generations to take charge of their bodies and take charge of their minds. I want to thank you guys so much for listening. And again, a special thank you to our guests. See you guys next week. Bye.